Right. Well, if you would at this time take your Bible, if you have one, and turn it to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 14. We're going to finally finish this chapter, uh, the longest chapter in the Gospel of Mark, <clears throat> 72 verses. We're going to finish this chapter today, Lord willing, um, unless the Lord comes back, which I'd be okay with that. Uh, but Mark chapter 14, and if uh, you would look with me in verses 66 all the way down through 72, and uh, as we read this, um, if we could, if you could join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, out of respect and reverence for the Holy Word of God, for the Scriptures. Mark chapter number 14, verses 66 through 72, <clears throat> the Word of God says this, and as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse, and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew. Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to assemble together um, to hear your word. God, I pray that you would use your word this morning to change our lives. Lord, as we look at this familiar passage. Most of us uh, know this. It's familiar. Um, but God, I pray that you would help us to consider our own lives as we look at Peter and his denials. And God, I ask that you'd be honored and glorified in all that goes on and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The title of the message uh, this morning is Driven to Denial. When I was a child, um, I was I had some great fears. We talked about fear, fear of spiders in our Sunday school class this morning. Uh, but one of the biggest fears that I had in my life as a young person was public speaking. And by the way, I think that that probably is the number one fear that most people have. They would rather. Uh, be in a room full of spiders than have to get up in front of a room full of people and, and have to speak. Um, so as a result of that fear of public speaking, I just, because every time I was called to do this, I mean, I would just have the, the butterflies and I would get so nervous and so anxious and uh, so to the point where, you know, my, my palms would sweat and, and my, my heart would beat out of my chest. I mean, it was... I was like, man, this is, I, I don't want to have this go on for the rest of my life. So when I was in high school, uh, my freshman year of high school, I signed up to do something that I thought this is going to help me with my, pub, my fear of public speaking. And so I took drama class 
in high school as a as a freshman and then my sophomore year I thought oh, I enjoyed that I wasn't very good at acting but I enjoyed it and it did start helping me get over this fear uh, and so I took drama my freshman my sophomore and my junior year of high school for three years I took drama class so you think I'd be a pretty good actor well I'm not really in, in all the plays that I participated in and the little skits and things like that, it just kind of, I, I, I did not deliver. It was, not, it was no good. I, we went to a drama competition and, and I remember, um, you know, thinking, man, we're going to win this competition. And then, uh, no, I fell flat on my face and it was, it was, it was, it was ugly. Um, now, I'm thankful I went through all of that. Little did I know that God was going to have me do a lot of public speaking uh, several times a week. I, I had no idea, but I'm really glad I did that. And as I was thinking about that acting experience that I had, I was thinking about that in relation to Peter. Because here we come to Peter, who uh, there's no question um, had a tremendous commitment and loyalty and love for the Lord. But here in this passage, he acts completely different than the way he had acted up to this point. And right now, we're going to see the, uh, the Apostle Peter, the, the, the one who declared his allegiance to the Lord, uh, act and put on an Academy Award winning performance there in, in front of all these enemies of, of Christ. And, and, and he's a good actor to the point where they begin to believe him. And uh, I'm sad to say he was the Academy Award winning, uh, but his award was not something that he actually wanted. Uh, he did not get the reward he was hoping for in his acting. Now today again we come to a passage that many of us heard, have heard many times and, 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 and perhaps know the details and have it all memorized. But, but I want to look at it again afresh and anew this morning and, and be reminded of what happens when we're driven to denial. And Peter was certainly here, and, and uh, no doubt in our own lives we've experienced something. It's easy for us to look down upon Peter, but the truth of the matter is we all, when we all look in the mirror, we see someone who has denied the Lord multiple times in our own lives in different ways. Oh, maybe not uh, by a fire or um, with a rooster crowing in the distance, but uh, we have denied the Lord in many different ways in our lives. So let's uh, jump into this passage here and, and look at a few thoughts here that hopefully will help us uh, understand what happened here, but then also help us to decide to not to deny the Lord down the road. Uh, let's go back a little bit, actually, and, and let's look at number one here, Peter's devotion. Before we get into the passage that I just read a few moments ago, I want to back up a little bit, hit the reverse button, and go back up to, uh, let's see, verse number 27 of, of this chapter, Mark, Mark 14, verse 27. And here Jesus says to his disciples, after they participate in the... Uh, the, the Last Supper there is as Jesus breaks the bread and, and blesses it and, and, uh, and, and passes that around. They go out and sing in him. And then here, verse 27, in verse number 27, he says, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter, instead of accepting what Jesus said, 
He, in verse 29, Peter said to him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. He said it, it, it might happen to others, but, but, but it ain't going to happen to me. In verse, 20, or verse 30, Verily Jesus says, I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And then verse 31, But he, Peter, spake the more vehemently. I mean, he, he became very serious and, 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 and basically was almost yelling at Jesus here, Hey, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. So there's no question that Peter loved the Lord and was devoted to him. In fact, there was nobody more vocal about it than he was. And a couple aspects about Peter's devotion that I want us to see here. First, his promise. He, he made this promise in verse 31, If I should die with thee, which I promised I would be willing to do, I will not deny thee in any wise. So his promise was that, hey, Lord, I'll never deny you. You can count on me. I'll go to prison with you. I'll give my life for you if that's what it takes. And no matter what the circumstances are, I'll never deny you. No way, no how. Not happening. I mean, maybe other people will, but, but for me, I can guarantee it. I give you the Peter guarantee that it's never going to happen. Well, to Peter, I would like to say but not only to Peter, but to all of us. To be careful about the promises that we make, about the vows that you make. Because God takes them very seriously, does He not? In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, and verse number 4 and 5, it says this, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools, Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. And so when we uh, married couples go back to the day when you stood at a wedding altar and declared to God and to your beloved that you were going to stay together till death do you part. Guess what? God takes that promise very seriously. He heard it, and so did probably several others who were there heard it as well. I remember when Julie and I got married, it was July 1st, 2000. So we're coming up on our 23rd anniversary. And uh, Julie's favorite number, by the way, is 23. Because when she was in basketball, um, she got called Julie Jordan, and she had, she's that good at basketball. She is that good. Um, she could have had a career in the WNBA or whatever that is, um, but uh, she instead decided to follow the Lord and sacrifice her basketball career to be married to me and be in the ministry. But on, 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 July 1st, 2000, uh, we stood at the wedding altar, and Pastor Tomlinson was here, I was here, and my beautiful bride was right there, and we were holding hands, and he said, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? And I said, I absolutely do. 
I think it was a little more shaky than that. I was a little nervous in that moment. But my heart was like, I do. And she said the same thing to me. I'm so glad that she did. She's like, you know, let me pray about it a little bit more. (laughs) I'm glad she didn't do that. But it was that moment that we promised each other and to God that we would stay together in thickness and thin and good times and bad, for poor, for richer, sickness, health. It didn't matter. We're going to stay together. Um, God heard that. And we have a responsibility to God to keep those vows. Uh, The Apostle Peter needed to be reminded that when he says something like that, he better keep it. And when you say something to God, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I'm going to do that. Well, you better follow through with what you said here, because I just want to read this one more time. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. He hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. I, I'm, not for, I'm not against you making promises, Um, You you say, well, I'm just never going to make another promise as long as I live after hearing those verses. No, no. The idea is that when you make one, you better follow through with it. And I'm grateful for the truth is uh, the truth of the matter. When God makes a promise to us, he always keeps his promises. And we can bank on that. But here we see uh, Peter's promise. Peter made a promise, but then... Sadly, that really led to his pride. In verse number 29, Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. He said, look, it might happen to everyone else, but it's not going to happen to me. Because look, look, Lord, I'm better than everyone else. I'm more committed. I'm more devoted. I'm more loyal to you. Everybody else may deny you, but that's not going to happen to me. Well, again, to uh, the Apostle Peter and to all of us, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 is in the Bible. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, you better take heed lest you fall. Better not get to the point where like, hey, it's not going to happen to me. I'm never going to blow it that bad. I'm never going to do that better be careful because you start thinking that way, guess what? You're about ready to trip. You're about ready to fall. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon said in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I think about King Saul there in the Old Testament as he was placed in uh, to be the first king of Israel. And at that point, boy, he really just, he, 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 was, he understood that he didn't deserve to be in that and that he needed God's help. And he was very humble in his own eyes. But then after a while, he kind of got the hang of it. He, he had kind of been king for a little while and said, you know what, I, I got this. Stop thinking that he needed to be fully committed to the Lord, fully obedient to God. And so he started cutting corners in his relationship with God, and said, you know what, I don't have to obey like 100%. I mean, just most of the way. And then God sent the prophet Samuel to say, hey, your days are numbered. 
And he said, he said something to Saul that I've tried to remember and I want to keep remembering and pray that I do remember this. He said, when thou wast small in your own eyes, God was with you. When, when you didn't think you were all that and a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos, you know, uh, when, you, when, you thought, when you thought you needed God, then God was able to bless you and exalt you and give you strength and wisdom. But the moment you started thinking, I got this, I don't need God anymore, God said, no, 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 your days are numbered. See, it can happen to all of us. It happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. God raised his influence and his strength, and he got a little puffed up in himself, so much so that he built this huge statue of himself, forced everybody to bow down and worship it. God had to humble him. God ended up having to humble Peter as well, but it was because of his pride. I was reading about uh, Muhammad Ali, the great boxer. And in his heyday as the heavyweight champion in boxing, he had taken his seat on a 747, which was starting to taxi down the runway for takeoff. The flight attendant walked by and did her checks and walked by him and noticed that uh, Ali did not have his seatbelt on. And she said to him, uh, Sir, please fasten your seatbelt. He looked up proudly and snapped, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And without hesitation, she stared at him and said, Superman don't need no plane. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> now here's the thing. Peter in this moment, in our text, needed to stop thinking that he was Superman. And, and we do too. Because a lot of us think, oh, look, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, I'm better than that. I mean, you can say this to all the other disciples that everybody's going to forsake me, but, but, but Lord, you know, you and me, we're really tight. It's not going to happen to me. And Jesus said in verse 30, um, actually, I'm going to direct this specifically to you. This day, even in this night, before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me three times. It's interesting, one of the most powerful passages on humility in the entire New Testament was written by Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 5. Peter writes this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And then he goes on to say, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. See, as he's writing this, I can't help but think that he was in his mind, going back to this moment that we're going through right now. When he thought, ain't going to happen to me. It might happen to everybody else, but not me. Lord, you can count on me. See, Peter would learn the hard way regarding this matter of humility. But his pride that he had here in Mark chapter 14 led him later to be prayerless in the garden. As we uh, go from verses 31 all the way down here, um, uh, just very quickly, he uh, was prayerless in the garden, and then he ended up forsaking the Lord in the garden after he chops off Malchus's ear. 
Then he starts following the Lord, but he follows him afar off. And we looked at that last week. There was distance between him and the Lord. Then his pride eventually led him to do the unthinkable. Something he vowed he would never do. So let's look at our text today and notice, secondly, Peter's denials. Peter's denials in verses 66 all the way down through verse number 71. We won't read all of them again all right now, but let's pick it up here in verse 66. As Peter was beneath in the palace, and and this is kind of a reference back to verse 54, Peter followed him afar off even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with his servants and warmed himself with the fire. And then Mark picks it back up with Peter in verse 66. As Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. So one of the ladies that worked for the high priest, she was there to serve and uh, probably help, help with uh, a cleaning and, 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 and food preparation and just running errands and all those things. Well, she was there perhaps taking a break. And she comes and sees Jesus, verse 67, when she saw Peter warming himself by the fire, she looked upon him. And I, I can just imagine it. She's over there, you know, she comes over and, and sees the fire over there and she sees Peter. And then she's like, I know that. I've, I've seen that guy. I, I know who he is. Uh, yeah. And so verse 67, she looked upon him and said, Hey, and thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. I've seen you. You were with Jesus. And she she looks at him and and she recognizes him and knows who he is and knows who he was with. And, And so she says, Yeah, yeah, you were with Jesus. Well, verse 68, but he denied saying, I I know not. Neither, under, neither, neither understand I what thou sayest. He said, look, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, even understand. I don't even know what you're talking about. Jesus of Nazareth. And then verse 68 continues here. He went out into the porch. Now he went out into the porch, which was a lobby of sorts that led from the outer gate to the court. One commentator pointed out that Peter no longer needed the fire to keep warm. He was sweating enough without it. (laughs) Uh, Because now he was under pressure, and now he was lying, and now he was acting, and, and it was uncomfortable for him. Peter's denials. And then verse uh, 68, it ends with this, He went out into the porch, and the cock crew. So here comes a warning, and and first thought here that I want to give you under Peter's denials is that he ignored the warning. Here comes the first warning in verse 68, and the cock crew. Remember Jesus said in verse 30, the cock is going to crow twice. The rooster is going to make that cock-a-doodle-doo. And once you hear the first one, that should have clued him in that, hey, I'm going down the wrong path. Jesus told me this was going to happen, and here's the first rooster. I better, I better, I better hit the pause button. I better hit the, hit the brakes on this. I better get right with God. I better turn around. But did he turn around? No, he didn't. He totally ignored this warning. Because if you pick it up in verse 69, and a maid saw him again. 
and began to say to them that stood by, hey, this is one of them. This is one of those disciples. Verse 70, and he denied it again. He denied it again. He completely and totally ignored that warning. <coughs> now, we live in Oklahoma, and here we have warnings. I hope we don't hear one tonight. <laughs> we didn't hear it yesterday. Remember, they usually test them on Saturdays. They didn't because of the uh, overcast and uh, the wind and all that. They didn't want to scare anybody. Those tornado sirens. And, and I'll just let you know, the first Saturday we were here in Oklahoma, after moving here, this is a funny story. No one in our church told us that this happens on Saturday. I'm pretty sure you guys had a business meeting before I came to decide not to tell us. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I don't have any records. I've looked through all the records, and I have not seen the, the, the business meeting notes on that. But I, I just suspect that that's what happened. Because here we are on our very first Saturday. I'm in my office, my new office, you know. And I'm preparing to preach my first sermon here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And I'm excited about it. I, well, I'm just filled with anticipation and expectation for what God's going to do. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my office, and I hear this thing, and I'm like, what in the world is that? That's the strangest train whistle I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, why, right when that's going off, I, hear, I, I, get, I get a call from my wife who is at home. My wife and my four children. And she's at home and she goes, Eric, do you hear that? I think it's a tornado coming through. I think that's what a tornado siren sounds like. So we, we better get into our, 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 our storm shelter. And, and I'm like, what is going on? There really is a tornado. I thought we would have a little more notice and, and a little more. <clears throat> and, and then I think Brother and Mrs. Nutt were here practicing a song. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, that goes off every Saturday. And I'm like, thanks for telling us. <laughs> thanks so very much. I'm pretty sure it was uh, decided as a church family to not tell us and let us figure it out on our own. Uh, we, we have those tornado sirens, and I'm thankful for them. Right? It does give us a little warning about what's coming. Now, we can do what... I guess a lot of Oklahomans do when those tornado sirens start going off. Instead of going into the storm shelter and seeking safety, we go outside and get our cameras out and go, hey, let's check this out. How close is it? I've actually grown to that point of doing that too. <laughs> um, we have warnings in our lives, right? We have warning labels. We have warning lights on our vehicles. But... We're fools if we just totally ignore these warning signals. Listen to this description. Uh, most of us are familiar with the Chernobyl nuclear disaster in, in the Ukraine that happened back in 1986. But listen to the description of, of what happened there. And it's a little lengthy, so, so, so hang with me as we go through this. It's, it's not that long, but it is a little bit of detail here. Okay, here's the description of what happened there that caused that nuclear disaster. Okay, so there were two electrical engineers in the control room that night. And the best thing that could be said for what they were doing is that they were playing around with the machine. 
They were performing what the Soviets later described as an unauthorized experiment. They were trying to see how a long turbine would freewheel when they took the power off it. <clears throat> now, taking the power off of that kind of nuclear reactor is a difficult, dangerous thing to do because these reactors are very unstable in their lower ranges. Well, in order to get the reactor down to that kind of power where they could perform the tests they were interested in performing, they had to override manually six separate computer-driven alarm systems. One by one, the computers said, Stop! Dangerous! Go no further! And one by one, rather than stopping the experiment, they shut off the alarms and simply kept going. And you know the results. Nuclear fallout that was recorded all around the world from the largest industrial accident ever to incur in this world. This city, which formerly had 55,000 people, is now completely abandoned. It's an entire ghost town. The instructions and warnings in Scripture are just as clear, though. We ignore them at our own peril and tragically at the peril of others. And here, as that rooster, the first one goes, cock a doo doo That was Peter's warning. And he should have said, whoa, I need to back up here. What am I doing? I'm going down and doing exactly what I said I would not do. But instead, he completely ignored the warning. I can't help but think that maybe God is wanting this message perhaps to be a warning for you, a tornado siren of sorts in your own life, a rooster call for you to turn around and to change course because you're about ready to head for destruction. Maybe this is a, a computer screen, so to speak, that's saying, stop, dangerous, go no further, uh, stop what you're doing. You're about ready to commit Horrible atrocities. That's what I believe that first rooster was there for. And Peter, eh, not that big of a deal. Or like the alarm clock, five more minutes. I may have done that a couple times this morning. <laughs> My wife told me. <laughs> Maybe this message is a warning for you to turn around. Maybe you're not saved this morning and you need to come to Christ. Maybe this is your warning. Can you, would you come to Christ today before it's eternally too late? Because one day it will be. Are you about ready to commit horrible sin? Thinking it's no big deal, nobody knows. Let this message be a warning for you and do not do what Peter did and ignore it. If you do, you're doing it to your own peril and for those around you as well. So in this denials, in these denials, not only do we see that he ignored the warning, but we see secondly that his infraction actually got worse. In verse number 68, it ends with that cock crowing. Verse 69, and a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them, and he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. 
They said, the way you're talking, you're totally a Galilean. You're, there's no way you're not. You have to be with him. I mean, if you were to talk with me quite a bit, you'd probably say, you ain't from around here, are you? <laughs> and I'm not from around here. I actually am from California, but don't tell anybody, okay? You, you probably can tell, because when I say y'all, it really just doesn't sound natural. It's kind of cringy, you know, like, uh, I probably just ruined the word cringe for all the teenagers here. That's actually my goal in life. Um, but when I say y'all, it, it just doesn't sound like people who live here say it. And uh, when I say reckon and, and, and sweet tea and all those things, it just, it just doesn't sound right. Um, but I can say dude with the best of them. I can say you guys all day long. And we just found out that we were calling the uh, freeways, the interstates here, we, we call them freeways in California. They don't call them that, they call them interstates here. And we would always say in California, it was never the, um, it was never I-5. It was never I-405 or I-90 or any of those things. It was always the 405, the 5, the 55. We come here, we're like, yeah, you just take the, uh, the 35 to the, the 240 and then to the 44. And people are like, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> I'm like, what? That's how you get there. They're like, no, 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 no. You take I-35 to I-240 to I-44. I'm like, no, no, it's the. <laughs> okay. So as people talk to me, it's like, you, you're not from around here. You, you speak like a Californian. And when, when Peter was saying what he was saying, I, I, he denied it again. When he said it that way, they're like, you are not from around here. You're from Galilee. We know you're from Galilee because your speech, that your accent, it's all Galilean. And uh, he thought, okay, well, <clears throat> verse 2071, but he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And he began to do something that, again, he, I imagine he never thought he would ever do. Not only is he denying the Lord, but now he's using profanity and he's cussing. And he's using the Lord's name in vain. So he makes this believable once and for all. So we'll stop with all the questions. So he starts cussing like the fisherman that he used to be. So denying the Lord wasn't enough. Now he goes downward even further by using profanity and the Lord's name in vain. It reminds me of this truth that most of us have heard at least once in our life, but a good one to be reminded of is that sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go. It will cost you more than you wanted to pay and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. You start walking down this path of sin, and, and, and it's going to be like, well, I can just turn around anytime I want. I mean, I've got control here. I, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that addicting. And you, 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 you kind of lie to yourself and tell you that. But here's the truth. Sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go, and it cost you far more than you wanted to pay, and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. When you go down the path of sin, it always leads to more sin. 
In Romans chapter 1, we won't turn there for sake of time, but as you look at that passage, you see a list of sin, and it, it starts with little things like unthankfulness. And you're like, yeah, that's not that big of a deal. Like, really? That's a sin? But then... As you keep reading down in that passage, you see horrible atrocities. And it's like, well, how did you get there? It usually doesn't start with the horrible atrocity. It usually starts with the little stuff and then leads gradually to the horrible stuff. And see, I don't think Peter would have ever started cussing and using the Lord's name in vain had he not started that first denial. But that first one led to worse things and worse things and worse things. Think about King David and his sin with Bathsheba. And, and that was a pretty horrible scenario, of course, as he uh, commits adultery and, and, and has that night of pleasure. And, 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 and that, was a, that was a terrible sin to begin with. But then that sin, guess what, led to more sin. I mean, he soon was involved in lying and deceit and manipulation. And then ultimately he committed murder. He didn't commit murder just out of the blue. It started with a, 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 different, a smaller thing, so to speak, and, and, and another sin led to another sin, and, and eventually he's over here killing people. And if that can happen to King David, who is a man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the, 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 the king of Israel, the, the, the one who Jesus' line came from, I mean... If it could happen to him, it can happen to any one of us in this room. And if it can happen to Peter doing something like using God's name in vain like that, it, it, things like that can happen to us. Thinking about uh, Ted Bundy, who was the serial killer in, back in the 70s and confessed to killing at least 30 different women and girls. Horrible atrocity. Well, how did it start? On the day before he was to be executed by electric chair in 1989, Bundy received hundreds of interview requests from media outlets nationwide. He declined these requests and granted his final interview to Dr. James Dobson, founder of Focus on the Family, to whom he said he believed he had something to say. Well, in their exclusive interview, Bundy discussed pornography and as a possible explanation for what drove his behavior and these are Ted Bundy's words. I was essentially a normal person. I had good friends. I led a normal life except for this one small but very potent, very destructive segment of it that I kept very secret and very close to myself, and I didn't let anybody know about it, he said. Bundy said he first discovered softcore pornography in grocery stores and was compelled to consume more and more increasing violent forms. Like an addiction, he says, you keep craving something harder, which gives you a greater sense of excitement until you reach a point where pornography only goes so far. It was an indispensable link in the chain of behavior that led to the assaults and murders that he carried on carried out on dozens of victims, he said. It was also a common factor among other violent offenders that he encountered during his prison, during his stays in prison. And he said, I've lived in prison for a long time now, and I've met a lot of men who were motivated to commit violence just like me, and without exception, every one of them was deeply involved with pornography. 
without question, without exception, deeply influenced and consumed by addiction to pornography, he added. So, you may not think, hey, what I'm doing is all that big of a deal. I mean, only I know about it, only me and God know about it, and it's not really affecting anybody else. I beg to differ. Again, let this be the rooster crowing in your heart, in your ear today, to cause you to turn around, to cause you to repent and get right with God before it's too late, before you do something you'll regret for the rest of eternity. Peter ignored the warning, and his infraction got worse. So we see his denials, and I want us to see very quickly here, number three, Peter's despair. Verse 72, and after he denied, in verse 71, the second time the cock crew, Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. A couple quick thoughts about this despair that he had here in verse 72. I want us to see first his master. And not recorded in the Gospel of Mark, but in Luke, in Luke's account, we find a detail here. As Jesus had his back to Peter as all this is going on, and he's there giving, um, he's there in court, and he's there answering for uh, Caiaphas and uh, the questions there. As he, that's all happening. And then at, at, at some point, right after this second rooster begins to cock-a-doodle-doo, Jesus turns. It says in Luke 22, 61, the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. So immediately after Peter uses God's name in vain and then the rooster crows, the next thing on the timetable is that Jesus turns his back and catches the eyes of Peter. What a moment. Wow. In the sovereignty of God, Jesus turns and looks at Peter. By the way, Jesus knew exactly what happened. You say, well, he was out of earshot. He must not have heard. Do you think really think Jesus didn't know what was going on? He, he knows all. And he heard. And the eyes that he had at that moment, I can just imagine the emotion that that must, that must have caused Peter to have. After that moment, we see not only his master, but we see his memory. And picking it back up here in verse 72, and the second time the cock crew, and Peter then called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him. As Peter hears the rooster in the distance, and the piercing look from his Lord, it all came flooding back to him. Oh, that's right. Jesus told me this would happen. Matthew's account says this, Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. So it all came flooding back to him. And this was not a wonderful memory. So we see his master, his memory. Thirdly, his misery. When he thought thereon, in verse 72, he wept. His tongue of betrayal led to tears of bitterness. 
Sin always leads to misery. Well, the devil doesn't tell us about the misery. He doesn't tell us about those things. He just gets us to try to fall into that temptation and that sin. But I, 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 and, and I'm telling you, there is pleasure in sin, but it only lasts for a season, and then the consequences start to come. James 1.15 tells us, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. I'm telling you, uh, we may not think that, uh, we may think we're an exception to the rule. There are no exceptions. You say, well, I'm pretty good at hiding my sin. I'm pretty good at deleting my internet history. I'm pretty good at hiding it all. I'm telling you, you're not an exception. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And I'm not saying, okay, well, that means God's going to kill you. That's not what I'm trying to say here. It, it, it brings spiritual uh, death in our lives, and it dries us up spiritually. Our fellowship with God is broken, and it's, an un, it's a horrible feeling. When uh, John Belushi died in the spring of 1983 of an overdose of cocaine and heroin, a variety of articles appeared, including one in U.S. News and World Report on the seductive dangers of cocaine. It says, it can do you no harm and it can drive you insane. It can give you status in society and it can wreck your career. It can make you the life of a party and it can turn you into a loner. It can be an elixir for high living and a potion for death. Like all sin, there is a difference between the appearance and the reality, between the momentary feeling and the lasting effect. So, yes, sin is pleasurable, but only for a season. And then comes the consequences. And now Peter is dealing with those consequences of his sin. You know, for a while he was able to fool everybody, and again, he was a pretty good actor, and he had to kind of get a little dig deep here in verse number 71 when he began to curse and swear, saying, I know not this man, to really put on the ultimate performance, to really convince the crowd that he was not a believer, that he was not a disciple. But now he begins to weep. His misery starts to come. One more quick thought before we wrap this up. Yes, Peter fell. And he failed in a bad way. And it's sad. And I remember Peter was the one who told Mark the content for Mark's gospel account. You can just imagine this part of the conversation. When Peter's going, okay, Mark, I need, I need to tell you what happened next. I can imagine tears probably began to well up in his eyes saying, I, I don't even want to tell you this. But, but the truth of the matter is, I, I denied the Lord. I did what I said I wouldn't do. Here I am. I got I to gotta tell you. So that, so that maybe uh, believers later on, maybe in 2023 here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, will understand what can happen if you're not careful. And so he begins to go through this. So Peter fell and failed in a bad way. Yes, there were bitter, bitter tears and regret, but, but praise the Lord, his, his failure, Peter's failure here was not final. 
So I want us to look fourthly, very quickly, at his mercy. It's been pretty negative up to this point. It's been pretty tragic. But not in this text that we're looking at here, but later on. In John's account, after the resurrection of Christ, the first person that he went, wanted to go see after the resurrection was Peter. And in John's account, we learn that Jesus never gave up on Peter. Yeah, Peter said, I go a fishing, and, and uh, he went and went fishing and kind of left it all and said, I'm a failure, and I'm just going to go back to my fishing life. Well, the Lord shows up and, and then asks him, hey, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. Hey, do you love me? Yeah, you, you know I love you, Lord. Well, then feed my sheep. Do you really love me, Peter? Yeah, you, you keep asking me this question. You, you know all things. You know that I love you. Well, then feed my lambs. See, Jesus did not give up on Peter. Yes, he failed. Yes, he blew it. Yes, he fell. But God never gave up on him. And, and look, you may have failed the Lord. You may have fallen. All of us do, but praise be to God. He never fails us, and His mercy never fails. Lamentations 3 and verse 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. What ended up happening with Peter, this guy who we just studied for several uh, throughout this morning here? What happened with him? Well, Peter went on to lead the first century church. He was used by God to preach on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were saved and baptized. The Apostle Peter later went on to write two books of the Bible. He was also very instrumental in providing the content for the book of Mark, which we've been studying for the last couple of years. So, friend, while sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I think we read that verse a little while ago in the service as we sang that wonderful song, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Psalm 136, that's a, let's just turn over there real quick, and, and we're, we're, we're about done here. I know I've said that a couple times, but I mean it this time. Psalm 136. 26 verses in this psalm. And every one of these verses ends the exact same way. Verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. And here's how every verse in this entire psalm ends. For His mercy endureth forever. Twenty-six times we're told in this one chapter of the Bible alone that His mercy never faileth, and it endures forever. Now, obviously, this is not a license to continue in sin. This is instead motivation to turn away from the destruction of sin and instead become servants of God and of righteousness. So tonight, or today, if you find yourself like Peter, maybe you have fallen, maybe you have failed, know that God's not done with you yet. It's, you still have time to get right with Him, but I want to encourage you, don't keep ignoring the warnings. You have an opportunity today to get right with Him.